everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beelins and Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. This guest is in his 12th season at the helm of the Case Western Reserve Spartans and has built Kate West, Case Western into one of the top programs in Division Three during his time with the squad. Before the 2020 season was cut short, his Case Western Spartans compiled an 18-1 record and were ranked ninth in the ITA poll while also holding the second highest team UTR in D3. This guest has coached two national champions, six All-Americans, and has amassed over 200 wins in just 12 seasons. He was recently awarded the 2019 USPTA Midwest College Coach of the Year. Please welcome to the pod, Coach Todd Witkowski. Todd, thanks, man. Yeah, so happy to be here. Really, um, you know, I, I have so much fun reflecting and kind of going back and looking at the journey. And, and you, you have such a great platform for, for people to be able to do that. And you ask great questions. So I'm happy to be here. I appreciate it. I think my hardest job is done because I got your last name right, which is one of the few that I think are worse than my last name. So, so far, so good, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we're going to, um, you know, kind of go through your journey from as, from as a player to where you are currently as a coach. But obviously, we're recording this late May. Um, mm -hmm. Your world is kind of turned upside down. It's starting to get a little bit back to normal. How are you? Right. Your wife, you got a you got a two year old. I, I see the post you put with him. He's already got a little racket and hitting a little bit. Um, He's got some racket all, at speed. Yeah, how are you guys all holding up? Yeah, everything's great. Uh, my wife works in athletics too. I mean, she totally gets it. She was a, a college basketball player. Her Division two school made it to the Final Four every year, and um, you know she works in uh, high school athletics and she's an athletic director. So, you know, we're both in similar positions where we're just kind of waiting to see when things will open up and how much athletes are going to be able to do. But we're using that time to our advantage to, you know, spend time with the kid and spend time with each other that normally this time of year, I might be home three days, gone four days, home four days, gone three days. So right. it's been it, that part's been really cool. And how are you doing with keeping touch with the guys on the team? Uh, so that actually has been great. Uh, some things that we would have never done otherwise. For example, every weekend we watch a, a podcast, uh, I'm sorry, a documentary, and um, we talk about it. So, you know, we, we did, you know, things that are not related to sports, some things that are related to sports. They actually had to watch the whole 10 part series of uh, The Last Dance. So, yes. <laughs> Tuesday night, we actually dove into that and um, everybody kind of gave their takes on what they thought and. Um, you know, the, the key there is every Tuesday night, like we draw parallels, like how can we relate this to what we're doing? How can we take this information and use it to make ourselves better? Uh, I don't know that we would have ever done that, or I would have ever thought of doing that if it weren't for this. Um, I know that they're getting together on zoom and they're doing one of their three workouts together every week on zoom. And we got an injured guy who just had surgery. So he's like clocking them. And so they're doing all that together. Um, so I do think it's, it had uh, many, many benefits to us, uh, far greater than anything uh, that I would ever want to be negative about. No, that's awesome. And, and, you know, speaking to a Chicago guy, it was fun watching that 10-part documentary, reliving my childhood a little bit. We won't go into a couple of those uh, Cleveland Cavaliers-Chicago Bulls rivalries back in the day, but you got, you got your championship with LeBron a few years ago, and I know you were so, so happy and proud of that. Um, Let's dive into your journey a little bit because you have quite a bit. You're, you're, you are very, very involved, um, not only in the sport itself, but in your community. And I want to kind of start with 
with you as a child. How'd you um, dive into the sport? Yeah, so, um, and this will kind of be like a Tarantino. I know we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the Instagram Live I did earlier this week and, and how, you know, the whole campaign is kind of hashtag it starts with love. Well, the thing is, like, my love for tennis has become evident in multiple stages. And I guess this is the question I might talk the most, and there won't be as much give and take, but I'll try to be as brief as I can. I played just like Lauren did, you know, every sport growing up. And tennis was the last thing I played. And um, I don't know. I just think that there was something about having the ball in your hand every single point versus batting one out of nine times or only touching the soccer ball a select few times because I was the, you know, starting stopper on my high school team, um, you know, and uh, was recently inducted into the high school hall of fame for soccer and tennis. So during that soccer season, even then I didn't play, you know, for a couple of months, I played once a week and that was it. So, you know, to kind of talk about that, I mean, I, I had a coach, his name was Keith Venz and he had a son, Casey and a daughter, Abby, that both played college tennis. So I knew I wanted to play college tennis because it was a team sport. And because I spent my whole life playing team sports, I knew that this was the perfect balance. Like I could play an individual sport, but be part of a team and, and um, win a team title and something. So just kind of fast forward um, to my 18th birthday. Uh, this was a pretty dramatic moment. My, my coach Keith, who was the only coach I ever had, he gave me my first private lesson when I was 10 um until 18 uh on my birthday i was playing the midwest designated you know and i was actually near you i was in lake forest um i was playing or lake bluff rec club of lake bluff maybe and um i remember i i had a great tournament beat the two seed i was so pumped to get home and and i came home to find out and there's no cell phones at the time you know uh but came home to find out that my coach had died in a car accident that night and, um, and that really derailed me for a little bit, you know, maybe a, a week or two where I just did not know what I wanted to do. But thanks to his son, Casey, his daughter, Abby, they, they really helped, uh, you know, make me feel like I have to live on his legacy and I have to do something special. That really is a major reason why I ended up at Toledo, because that's where Casey was. Casey was playing tennis on the team at Toledo and he was about to graduate. So, you know, this thing happens, it's, you know, like my parents separated when I was little. I mean, Keith was like, he really, really was like a, such a father figure to me. And, um, I just had to go to Toledo. I had to be with Casey. And, um, and at this point, like I said, I, I mean, I went a couple of months out of the year, not even playing tennis, uh, playing soccer. And I probably played six, seven tournaments a year. Um, and was still able to be a, a top 15 in the Midwest player. So I got some attention, you know, I, I remember talking to some Ivy league schools and things like that. But, um, you know, just kind of remember that that was inflection point number one of my love for tennis. You know, it was thanks to living on his memory that helped me, you know, go with tennis as a positive thing to, to help me through that, you know, first real loss that I had suffered. So I go to Toledo and I go all in on tennis for the first time in my life. You know, actually tennis for 12 months and all in on it. And Coach Al did an amazing job. He got me a lot better, you know, player development wise. And we played Ohio State a couple of times and I was able to win, um, you know, at number one doubles. And I know uh, the team we beat was a th one of the top teams in the country. And, um, you know, I had a win over uh, another Ohio State player. And, you know, I just kind of reached a point where I was like, you know, I, I want to go all in on this. Um, and I feel like I'm ready. I've matured and I've kind of gotten over the, you know, 
um, you know, what I was going through at the end of high school. And so I just said, I only got a year left. I'm going to put everything I have into it and, and see how far I can make it as a player, but also upgrade my education. Um, so getting a degree from Ohio state was important to me. Um, and this is kind of like a transition to starting to think about academics. Cause I realized tennis, you know, I wasn't going to be good enough to make it. So I needed to figure out a career. So tennis really helped me out because it, it got me a graduate position and I was the graduate assistant at the Citadel. It's a military school in South Carolina. And I did my MBA and I got into coaching and we had the best season in Citadel history. We got a national ranking. Um, that fall, actually, the head coach went on sabbatical. So I showed up, literally, and he was like, all right, team's yours. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated yeah. from Ohio State. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's amazing, though. Like, opportunities like that, like, if you show up, like, you never know. Things like, like your story, and I appreciate you sharing so much, and obviously it's very personal to you, but, like, the people who I've interviewed, everybody has a story, and it's nothing is exactly the same, and it's like – you could not have written your script up until where you're talking right now. It's just, everybody has such a unique story. It's, it's really cool for me to, to listen. To yeah. This. And then we could go so deep into those four years of high school and the things that I was, you know, exposed to and, and kind of a way that tennis really helped me. I mean, I can tell you literally of my best friend group after the soccer season had ended uh, my senior year, there was, I was at, you know, the Midwest designated, they go like January, February, March, soccer season ended in November. I remember when I was at Winter Nats. Uh, I remember when I was at the designated and at the second designated. Okay. Twice I had friends get a DUI, like a friend, a high school senior, get a DUI. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I was at a tennis tournament, you know, and, and it really tennis, it just, it really showed me a different pathway. So and then you fast forward it and I'm at Citadel and we have this great success, but I'm planning on going into business. You know, I'm like, I'm going into business. I'm going to go into construction management. I love math and geometry and seeing things get built. And I, I was ready. I signed a contract with Gold Bank Construction. It's one of the top three privately held construction management companies in the, in the country. And um, it was 08. And go figure, here we are in 2020 in a you know, pretty bad economic time. And uh, tennis saved me then because I, I had no, they rescinded the job offer and I had nowhere to go. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I have tennis, you know, I can, I can do this. Um, so I took the job at case thinking I'm going to just maybe get another master's degree or a PhD and then wait for the economy to turn around and move on. Well, you know, now here we are, you know, we've arrived yeah. at how I've, I've gotten to, to be here at case. So, yeah. And you coach both, uh, initially you coach both the, the women and men's team. And I know, um, a few coaches do that and I never quite understand how you guys are able to do that. Obviously, um, more recently you've just been coaching the men's team. You've had some, uh, incredible success. As I mentioned in the intro, you've coached two national champions. You had six all Americans, Mm -hmm. about 200 wins in, in just 12 seasons this year was kind of a bummer because you guys were rocking and rolling we were rocking yep we were rocking and um you know something I'm really proud of I mean we just we really hit a lot of home runs with um some players that just didn't get looked at by the top tier schools and um you know you just you kind of talk a little bit about division three tennis um even when I was growing up, I, I didn't know that much about it. But then again, there wasn't as much information wasn't as available. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've looked at the statistics. I mean, these things are kind of staggering. In 2013, um, going by tenniscreen.net, 
you know, there was one five-star player and 23 four-star players that went into Division Three. To be a four-star player, you're going to be top 200. I mean, you, you definitely could get a scholarship at Division One level. but And then it, it followed the same for the next two years, 13, 14, 15. One star uh, – um, sorry, one five-star, and then about 25 four-stars. Then something happened 2016 and 2017. Think about this. Seven five-stars, 26 four-stars. 2017, eight five-star players, eight out of the top 20, uh, eight out of the 26 to 75, there's 50 players. Eight of them went, went into Division Three, and that was in 2017. And then in 2018, 2019, things kind of reverted back to the way they were in 11, 12, 13, 14. But then again, this year, boom, listen to this. Five five-stars and 39 four-stars. Yeah. So that's crazy amount of talent that's pouring in yeah and you you're obviously you're so much closer to this um than i am but just from seeing it and and being close to some of the high school kids uh, by me obviously the d3 schools so many of those schools are so strong academically but right it's my belief that the top d3 schools case being definitely included in that mix their teams are better than a lot of the lower level d1 teams i don't think that's crazy statement at all all you had to do was see our guys i mean we we finished 18 and one we were 15 and one after we beat lehigh you would have thought that our guys won you know the uaa conference championship yeah i mean I, I think people i think kids growing up and they're like oh i just want to play d1 just want to play d1 but when you dig deeper into it and like what you just described uh, and I've seen it. Um, and obviously, again, you're so much closer to it than I am. Top level D3 schools are better than a lot of the, you know, a lot of the D1 schools that are out there. So mm-hmm. um, kudos to you, man. You, you're, you're doing a great, great job. And, and with you, you know, you're being from, you, you're from Ohio. You're so involved in the community. And, and I want to ask you to talk a little bit about Advantage Cleveland. And for those that haven't seen it, um, we're recording this on, a, I mean, one day goes into another. I think it's a Friday in late May. You had Lauren mm-hmm. Davis on a few days ago. You can still see it if it's posted. I think it's on the Advantage Cleveland um, Instagram page or website. But Lauren's also from Ohio. Talk a little bit about Advantage Cleveland and then your relationship with Lauren as well. Yeah, so my relationship with her started when I moved here. Um, it was 2008. I had finished the time at Citadel and I knew I was coming to Cleveland and we had a mutual friend that said, Hey, this, you know, this player, um, this guy that played at Ohio state is moving to Cleveland, you know, you should hit with him." So I was hitting with her and I was also hitting with a girl named Kyle McPhillips. Uh, she played at UCLA, um, was an amazing, amazing collegiate player. And um, there were some boys, a couple of uh, blue chip boys, this kid, Yale Goldberg, who uh, won Kalamazoo doubles with Ronnie Schneider, uh, Mark Goldberg, who played number one at Yale, uh, I'm sorry, at uh, Lehigh. And um, so we kind of formed this like mini group. It was, it was very interesting. Um, the four of them or five of them would all come together and we would, we would sort of do like a little mini college practice. And I'll tell you what, I mean, Ty Tucker does this thing where like he'll stand up at the net and he'll, he'll volley you all around the court and you see these guys that are, you know, unbelievable players that are top 100 in the world, just ripping the ball at him. and He's just flexing the volley off and moving around the court. 
so a lot of what I did, you know, when I first graduated was like, just, okay, well, like Ty is so successful. Just do some of the stuff that he does and, you know, put your own twist on it. I would stand up there and volley the ball around the court. And Lauren, the idea is you have to, you have to rip it. If you're not ripping it, then you're just going to run even more. Right. She would go five minutes and just not stop. I mean, she would just rip, rip, rip. And, and then like blue chip boys would come in and it'd be over in like a minute. You and know, Lauren was like, at like 14 to 16 years old at this time. Yeah, she's say. like 14 or 15. I'm like, this girl is a machine. This is unbelievable what she's doing. Um, Kyle. And for those that thing. don't, for those that don't know Lauren Davis that well, I mean, she is not physically imposing. She's, I don't know what her height is, five two, maybe. Yeah, five, something like I mean, that. Still, I, mean, I mean, she's not a big, strong girl. So I can't imagine what she was like at 14, 15, 16, and what Todd's saying. I mean. Y'all know how Lauren, and we'll we'll talk about a few of Lauren's matches, but yeah, that's yeah, that's enormous, great. enormous heart. Uh, that's what she's known for. That's what I'm teaching my two year old. You know, you know how to have an enormous heart, and um, she, you could just see it even in the practice session. She just did not want that rally to end, and that's when it kind of clicked to me. I'm like, you know what, fifteen, sixteen, you probably need to need to get down to Florida and and start like really, you know, playing the junior slams and things like that. Um, and to be honest, that's kind of where my relationships opened up. So I have to mention someone named David Dickinson, um, David Dickinson and his wife, Francis Dickinson. She, she won the orange bowl. Actually, if you look it up, Francis Dickinson, she, uh, she married David. Um, David is a Cleveland guy. Um, he, he is like the godfather of tennis here. Like we host national indoors. We host a challenger at the Cleveland Racquet Club. All of these events are in large part due to his willingness to give and kind of make tennis grow. Um, and he was best friends with Lauren's parents. And so I was introduced to him and he was on the board of directors for Advantage Cleveland. And so, you know, I thought, I remember my coach Keith, you know, kind of going back to living and, and kind of living his legacy taking me once a week downtown Youngstown, Ohio, and doing some clinics for the YMCA for some inner city kids. And I was like, what better way? You know, every, every time I kind of hit a, a, a phase in life, even right now, like during this quarantine, I kind of reflect like, am I giving back to this sport as much as I can? Am I doing everything I can? Because honestly, it's saved my life and it's given me a life and a great living. So I immediately, I got with this guy named Brian Smallwood and I said, all right, I would like to be, you know, involved in whatever capacity possible. And, you know, immediately got on the board of directors and Lauren, she's been volunteering and doing exhibitions and, and really helping us out with that organization a lot. Awesome. I mean, and, and for kids to see her, um, you know, famous professional tennis player, not only what, uh, what you and the people you just mentioned are doing, but to see a professional tennis player give back and do that. I mean, it's just so inspiring. And I remember... Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we all remember, and, and Lauren referred to it the other day when you had her on that 2018 Australian Open. I think it was a third-round match against Simona Halep, and I think she, she lost like 15-13 in the third, I believe. And I remember texting you, and it must have been like 11-11 or some crazy score in the third, and I'm like, are you breathing? I think I texted you. I said something yeah. like, are you breathing? And you're like, I'm good. I'm not tight or anything. And I mean, and Lauren had some match points, and and – unfortunately for her case she just fell a, a tiny bit short um and I remember I felt so bad and, and imagine you know like all people her family and her friends and 
um, how you guys must have felt. And then listening to her speak, obviously she was probably in the locker room by herself. She had her moment. But listening to her speak in the post-match conference, I mean, just again, how mature she, she was about the whole thing. And it, 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 I think it even won even more fans than she already had um, with how she agree. reacted to that heartbreaking match because that was something. That was something. I would did agree. you did you talk to her one on one after that match? Um, uh, maybe texting, not right yeah. after, but like yeah, texting know. for sure. And the same response came back, you know, in the text. It was just you know like so you know happy for the experience and the opportunity. And you know what's interesting to me too is is you fast forward now, and in that Instagram live that we did, she talked about the slump that happened kind of afterwards and. Right how she had to go back to playing, you know, um, 50 and a hundred K's and on their, on their women's side. Right. Sorry. So I, you know, I, it's interesting because she answered a couple of questions from our campers from advantage Cleveland and, and they were, you know, what's one of your favorite tennis memories. She immediately said the Australian open. And then how do you handle, you know, what do you tell yourself or how do you handle adversity? you know, when things aren't going your way. And she's like, well, right after that high moment was this low. And then she started talking about how tennis teaches you how to manage the highs and the lows and to be more balanced and to, um, you know, kind of live your life, you know, you know, very, very even keeled and, and not let anything, you know, affect you too much and go figure like that attitude is what has her back in the top 50 right. in the world, you know? And, and you saw her last summer at Wimbledon. She beat, was, was Kerber the top seed that year? I think I Kerber was there. Was the I was, oh, you were there? I was there. Yeah, awesome. I was there. I was sitting. I was sitting. Uh, her coach Eddie was, you know, two seats over, and I got to see it live. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I just was, and so was my my. Um, I, I say he's my brother, but you know, my coach Keith Venz that passed away, his son Casey, um, who's been every bit of a role model in my entire life. He and his family were there in London too. So Lauren, wow. she she took care of all the tickets for for their whole family and for my wife and I, and we were all there and cheering her on and and that's you know that's just like that was one of wow. those matches it was unbelievable was that I your can, first time at Wimbledon yeah this summer was the first oh time oh my there, god yeah. what and then yeah. you have someone in your home state doing as well as she did and was that's able incredible. to watch it it was incredible. it was unbelievable yeah. awesome so uh, not only what you're doing with Case not only what you're doing with Advantage Cleveland you're also the director of high performance at Cleveland Racquet Club and you guys have had some incredible success. I think the state champion has come out of that club. I think in, I'm just going to list some years here, 2014, 15, 16, 17, I think 18 and 19 as well. 18 and 19. Um, yep. What's your role? I mean, you're, how, is there enough hours in the day? I mean, how do you do it, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it's very cyclical. Um, but yeah, during the school year, I'm with the case guys, you know, starting at six in the morning. Um, you know, we have a faculty role on campus at case two. So I'm with the guys, we go two, three, four, depending on how long they can stay, if they have class or not. Um, I usually have a class that I need to teach, um, on campus, you know, in the midday, 11, 12, one ish. And, um, you know, I usually wrap up my day there, uh, around mid afternoon, two, three, four ish. Uh, if the guys hit a little bit more in the afternoon from the team, they'll usually hit with my assistant. Uh, and then I head over to racket and I go over there for, uh, two, three, four hours. Um, you know, my hours have been more selective and, and focused, uh, now that I've, I have Owen and, and my wife, Julie, but, uh, honestly, I mean, it's like, I tell you, like my, the story is what it is. Like tennis has, 
has been something that I can very truly honestly say if I didn't have tennis, I don't know where I would be. And yeah. it may be I would be fine, but I also think there's a chance that I could be like a few other people I know from high school that just went down a road that, um, you know, you'd rather not be on. And so I, I go morning, I wake up to the time I go to bed. It's, it's constant, constant, constant tennis. How can I make myself better? How can I make the team better? How can I make my players better? And I think when you lead by that example, like we were talking about that bulls documentary, I mean, Jordan, you know, it's just, he walks the walk. And the one of the, my favorite lines from that documentary is he never asked his teammates to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And I never really ask any of the players that I coach, you don't need to have my energy. I don't know if you can, but at least just try to match it or come as close as you can, because I will constantly be here just pulling and pulling and pulling you and trying to get you to play with that same sort of energy and focus that I, I feel for the game. Ty, this was awesome, man. And I, and, and I've talked to you for a while now. And uh, even on this conversation, I've, I've learned uh, quite a bit about you and your journey. And I know you have your two-year-old. I know you put him down for a nap and he's probably going to be waking up soon. So I don't want to take too much more of your time. But I know this, um, this year for everybody, 2020, it's an interesting year. You're looking at it as a positive manner, like, you're, like you said, you're taking um, the pluses out of this and doing things that you normally would not do and learn in a different sort of way. You're taking mm -hmm. advantage of what the opportunity has presented to itself, which I think you and all good coaches um, are doing and should be doing. And um, I appreciate it, man. This was, this was awesome. I really appreciate your time for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I appreciate being on here. Like I said, I mean, we could do this for another three hours. Right. But um well, we'll get you, you know, on again. Other, we'll, we'll get you on again if you if if you're good with it. Yeah, of course. The, the, I guess the only other um, thing, you know, with Advantage Cleveland, I, one thing I, I I do need to mention that there's a there's a company here. I'm so proud of Cleveland. Any chance I can brag about it, I will. Um, you know, obviously, of Clutch Sports here, which is LeBron's company, and you know he he's in LA now, but you know a lot of the people that are working for him are still here. Um, IMG was born here, you know, the, the, the beginning, you know, player management, uh, group and individual sports such as tennis. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's this organization here called teammates and that's Tony Godsick's company. Yeah. And he, he works with Federer and Zverev and Coco and, and they are literally a hundred yards away from the Cleveland racket club. And, and Tony's married to, uh, MJ, Mary Joe Fernandez. Yeah. Uh, and you then gotta get the another, cup. you got to get the labor cup to, to Cleveland I know, in a few years. I know. We had it in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was there. That's the only time in my life, uh, probably will be the only time I met Federer, you know, yeah. thanks to Tony, you know, he nice. was, he I was, was in uh, kind of set it that was up. awesome. It was awesome. I didn't get to meet Roger, but it was awesome. People don't even realize another five miles down the road is this guy named Sam Duvall who runs top notch management and they represent Isner and Opelka and, um, Caroline Garcia amongst many other athletes and Lauren Davis she's with Sam it's crazy no one really realizes how much you know is really here and you know players on my team have interned and done stuff with with these companies but you know Tony and and Roger have been like extremely uh gr giving like if you see the Advantage Cleveland kids their uniforms for the summer are actually RF logo stuff oh, nice. Nice. You know, that's like what they get for their, for their summer attire, which is pretty cool. 
Um, but I just felt like I, I, I want to shout out to Kevin Callanan and the people that, you know, Lauren, she gives a lot, but there's, there's also some other people that really help our organization there and also help this whole ecosystem that's going on. You know, the challenger national indoors advantage, Cleveland, the high performance, they all help each other and they all kind of, and I know you're in Chicago and it's one thing that I, I know I've known growing up is that sometimes a lot of the competition can, can force some friction and, and people, you know, they go into their pockets and they, you know, they kind of keep to their own and, and keep their cards close and, you know, players are jumping around. I think for the sport of tennis, what you do with your, with your podcast and, and what we have a platform here to do is just say, look, we got to rally together. We all love the sport. If everybody works together, then everything can be better. And you can create this ecosystem that, you know, makes the tennis world better and better and better. So, um, you know, I just wanted to be able to say that. And again, thank you for, yeah, what you're doing is, is part of it. It's part of this ecosystem. It's getting information out there, letting people know about all the great things that are happening in our sport. So I thank you for that. No, I, I appreciate your, your kind words, but I, I echo your thoughts, man. I, I, I totally echo your thoughts. Again, being in a bigger city, there's multiple clubs here. Um, I don't want to go too into it, but yeah, I echo your thoughts 100%. And um, thanks again, man. Best of luck. We'll, we'll, we'll all get through this together and you'll be back on the court soon. I know things are starting to open up now and uh, this was really fun. Thanks, Tom. Great, great. Awesome. I'll talk to you later.